message is your table is ready. Can you help me announce that to someone? Just look at someone next to him and tell them your table is ready. I want to pray one more time before we go into our message today. Father, we're grateful for the table that you have set before us. As the song says, you set up a table in the presence of our enemies to let our enemies know that we belong to you. And I pray today as the message is shared that I pray that hearts that you have already prepared today to make a next step, to make a decision for you, that those decisions would be made, that they would surrender to that call. And we pray today at the end of the message that those decisions will be made and that as we celebrate the two that are being baptized, that they will be the, that will do something for them as they, those who are making that decision will take the courage to take that step. We love you. We thank you today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So I was 19 years old when I first really understood what being at the seat of a table really was. So this was back in the day. Sorry for those who are sports fans who really grieve this moment. I hate to trigger some painful memories for you. But this was back in the day when we had the Seattle Supersonics. Now, I know those were some sad days that when we lost the Sonics to Oklahoma City. And that's why Oklahoma City is cursed with a curse. That's why they will never prosper because of what they did to the Seattle. So they lied and they cheated. Therefore, they are cursed with a curse. They have five all-stars on their team. KD, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Who else? Somebody else. Like ten, Michael Jordan, like 10 people on the team, and they lost everybody. So it was back then when Gary Payton was playing for the Seahawks, Seahawks Sonics, the glove. And so our pastor at the time, he, was, he invited us to a banquet that the Seattle Times had, which was they were honoring the sports player of the year in Seattle. And that player happened to be none other than Gary Payton, the glove. About 300 people there, maybe a little bit more, um, all these big wigs in the city. And the pastor told us, I got some tickets. I want to invite you to this dinner. It was at the, it was at the Seattle uh, or the, the convention center downtown. You know, we had to dress up. We were looking good. And I remember when we walked in, because when we walked in, I was a little taken back because there was all these beautiful white linens and, you know, it was really, really, really fancy. And it was really important. I just looked like important people. You know, you're 19, 18, I think it was. You just look like important people around all these tables. And I saw one table in the back. Now, I'll just, put, just to give you uh, some context, uh, there wasn't a lot of chocolate in the room. Can I just put it like that? Okay, so it was, a, it was about six or five black kids in the back. And we thought, we literally thought that we didn't know where we were going to sit. So we thought we were going to, you know, we just saw first table. So the pastor, our pastor was tall. He, he stands there. He looks around. Somebody walks up to him. And then they start escorting us. And we start going up, up up, up, all the way to the front. Now, let me tell you what happens in that moment. I don't know about you, 
But you know, you ever get upgraded to something? Maybe it's coach, first class, or 300 level seats to the floor seats, or whatever that is. You, you know how like your swag and your confidence builds as you walk closer? That's exactly what happened to me. And I'm talking about I got straight dignified. I mean, I went from Dub C to, <laughs> to James Bond in like three seconds. I mean, I, I was walking in like this, you know, I was like, oh, okay, where are we going to sit? And then, you know, I was like, oh, oh, excuse me, you know, thank you. <laughs> you, know, you, you get that walk when you hold your coat, you know, if you're a man, you hold your coat, you know, excuse me, hold your tie together. I had that look, right? I had the, I'm a handsome black man looking at it, look, I'm a handsome black man. <laughs> yes, I am. Where do you want me to sit, Bob? Right here? I'll sit right there. Yes, I will. Because I'm handsome and I'm black. And I'm dignified. So as we walk to the table, right, you know, we get to the table, and they start bringing out the food. And uh, they brought out this plate, and, you know, it had the, you know, it was covered, you know. I knew, I've been to some nice places, so I knew, you know, what was happening. And they brought the food out. But I was a little shocked, right? It was, I ordered, we had the salmon. And if the salmon was like this big, like, you know, like this a little knot of salmon, I'm like, please. They, they must have been running out of the budget, right? Because, you know, a little bit of potato, just a little drizzle, you know, a little, like somebody was doing art, little squiggly lines and like three green beans. I'm like, okay, y'all must not want us to eat up in here. So, you know, I start taking bites and I'm like, wow, the flavor you know, these, these aren't like out-the-box, you know, mashed potatoes. You just add water, and, and you probably don't know about those. But this, this some of y'all, okay, y- y'all not James Bond. I get it. Okay. Okay, so, you know, the potatoes you add water to, not those. I mean, these were, every bite was like you could taste the garlic and nutmeg or whatever. It was just rich. And every bite of salmon was just, I'll never forget it. It messed me up. I got an attitude now today because of that. I am a salmon snob because of that. Tastes so good. And I was surprised that I was full. So we finished eating. They brought out this dessert. It was a cheesecake with a, it was a, like a blackberry drizzle cheesecake. And I remember Gary Payton wasn't there yet. And so we're finished. And then finally we see Gary Payton. He walks in, right? He's got some people with him. People are like, you know, and all the kids are running up. Little kids are in there. They're running up to get his autograph. My man walked all the way, didn't say a mumbling word to anybody. Walked all the way. I mean, he was blocking kids. He was stiff-arming people. You know, they were trying to get his picture, and he walked right to our table. And before we got to the table, our pastor was already standing up, and we all stood up. We were super dignified. We were presidential right there. I mean, we were presidential candidates at that point. And he came around and shook all of our hands personally before he greeted anybody else. And I felt so honored by that. I felt so honored to have a seat at the table. And I want to preach to you, and I want to tell you today that your table is ready. I want to I tell you that God is inviting you to the front of the line. 
He has a special seat for you, and he personally, personally wants to shake your hand and meet you because he has a seat at the table for you. Now, we talked about this last week, and uh, we looked at this table. I'm going to set it up uh, because we talked about a little bit. If you were here, if you weren't here, it doesn't matter. We talked about how you set up the table, right? And we talked about, like, you know, some etiquette and some things like that. So, you know, I was familiar with a little etiquette and where spoons need to go, right or left? Left or right? Where do where spoons go? They're like right, left. Left, right? Which one? On they, now, they go on the left, but they go on the right on the napkin, right? It's not a trick question. It's like this pastor take, asking too many questions, trying to trick us up in church. Okay, no, you're right. On the left, forks on the left, right? Is that right? Now, is that the dinner fork or the salad fork? Mmm. Like some pop quizzes. I like this. Okay. We'll just go with this today because we only got one fork. That's all I could find in the kitchen. Okay. So, <laughs> so we got our plates. Got our plates ready. Mmm. Look good. Now we'll put our cups up. Cups left or right? Sure. Teacup, water cup, or drink cup? Hmm? We'll go with the left. So I got my table. It's set up. And we talked about a little bit that Jesus had made the statement that when you get invited to a dinner, don't fight your way to sit to the front. Wait till you're invited and have a seat at the table. Because he basically says, you know, you can walk in there like I was walking in there if I didn't know where I was sitting and act all crazy and be like, no, this is my seat, right? And then somebody has to tap me on the shoulder and say, uh, excuse me, you're in the wrong seat. Jesus is like, don't do that. And see, some of us have maybe grown up in a church like that or been to a church like that where they were all sitting in the best seats and you had to sit in the, in, you know, at the kids' table. I talked about that last week. I grew up with an adult table and a kids' table. And the kids sat at the table. It was crumbs. It was filthy. So you got old enough to hear grown folk conversation, which is probably about 30 years old. So, or whenever you got a job. So the table is something that is is all throughout scripture. And in the table, God does a lot of things. One Bible text says, he puts our enemies at the table with us. He sets a table. We just sung it, actually. He sets a table in the presence of our enemies. And he does that to tell people that this, he says, I don't want to run from any problems. I want to put the problems on the table because he's the one that set the table and he's the one who can invite anybody he wants. And so with this series and what I'm going to zero in on today is that this table is about God choosing to honor us. We're not worthy of honor. We should be sitting at the kids' table. But God invites us up and says, no, 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 no. I want you to sit right here next to me. And I'm going to invite your enemies to the table. Your addictions, your problems, your insecurities, hatred, 
your pain, all the things that you're battling and running from, I'm going to put them at the table with me. And I'm going to lean across the table and I'm going to tell your problem, I'm sorry to announce this to you, but you're no longer in charge of my son or daughter. And I'm going to ask you to leave or I'm going to have to Bobby Boucher you off this table and force you to leave. And how many know that when Jesus says you got to go, that you got to go? And so there's a lot of misunderstandings about the table. But there's a lot of people who don't understand. They feel like God is trying to punish me. God is the one who's responsible for my misery. God is the one that makes me work hard to please him. But no, God is choosing to honor us because he loves us. And I want to tell you about a story in the Bible where someone was chosen to literally come from like the kid's table and come to the table of honor, to the king's table. And it's a story in the Bible, uh, and his name is Mophibosheth. Now, if you're going to name somebody, got a baby coming around the corner, the, I, I Googled it. The top, the top names for a male is Terrence, and I think it's like Richard, and then Mephibosheth is like 300. But I want to tell you the story in the Bible about this king named David. And David was a king, but what he was is he was a chosen king. And the king that was in charge was chosen by God, but he was rejected. How many of you know that God can set up who he wants to set up in authority? And he had rejected this leader, and he had chosen this boy, really he was 17, named David to be king one day. The time had come. Things had happened. And in those days... When a new king took over, they would typically do something real savage. They would kill all the sons and all the people in that family. That's what they would do. If a new king took over, then first thing they would do is execute all the family. Because they did not want anybody to have a right to the throne. David was not the son of the king whose name was Saul. He was coming outside of the lineage. From that point on, most of the kings would be from the same lineage. But normal kings, not not gods in God's kingdom, but the practice in that day with all the other nations was that. If I took over your kingdom or I came in, I'm going to execute all of your family so there's no revenge and there's no one that has a rightful place to the throne. Now David, who's now king, had a best friend. Not even a best friend, like a brother. They, they, their love was unbelievable. And his name was Jonathan. And Jonathan was actually the son of Saul. He was actually the one who should have took the throne after his dad. But both he and his father died in the same battle. And as David took over, David had the right to say, All of his household would be killed, but David didn't do that. David loved Saul, but even more, he loved Jonathan. And so as years have passed, we'll read this here in 2 Samuel chapter uh, 9, verses 1 through David. David's sitting in his throne one day, and he says, One day David asked, Is there anyone left in Saul's family still alive, anyone to whom I can show kindness 
for Jonathan's sake. David didn't have to do that. That wasn't what he was supposed to do as a king. But David loves Jonathan. He says, what can I do? So he summons a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Saul, the king's servants. He says, are you Ziba? And he says, yes, sir, I am. Now, bruh man was nervous. Can we just be honest about that? He was nervous to be summoned by the king. Because he could admit, did you work for Saul? Were you in Saul's administration? He could have been like, that wasn't me. But he's like, yes, it was. So he said, is there anyone still alive in Saul's family? If so, I want to show kindness to them. Zebo replied, yes, one of, Saul, Jonathan, uh, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Zebo told him, at the home of Micar, son of Emil. So David sent for him and brought him from Micar's home. So here's Mephibosheth is his name. He's hiding out in this place. He's lame. He doesn't, can't use his feet. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. Can you imagine this? He can't use his feet. I don't know how they got him there. I don't know if they had some sort of chair or they wheeled him or they took him, but he got off of his chair or whatever he was sitting on and he got low to the ground and he bowed in deep respect. Why do you think he's doing that? You don't want to die. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. David says, I'm not here to hurt you. David says, I'm not here to mess with you. I'm here to build you up. I'm here. I'm your servant. Don't be afraid, David says. I intend to show you kindness because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. You will eat here with me at the king's table. But watch this. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant? That you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me. I want to stop right there. Here's Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, true heir to the throne. He's lame in both feet. David reaches out to him, invites him to the table, says, David, or says, Mephibosheth, I'm inviting you to the table because I loved your father, and I'm going to honor you all the days of your life. You're going to sit at the table with me. You're going to sit right here next to me. I don't care what anybody says about you. You don't have to hide out anymore. I want you to sit right here with me. But Mephibosheth is like, why are you showing favor to me? He goes as far as saying, why are you showing kindness to a dead dog like me? I want you to know that in that terms, in that language, dead dog was a really bad word. I mean, it was like the lowest word you could ever It it has such a deep meaning. And Mephibosheth's mindset is that he's not worthy to be at a table. He has accepted his condition. 
But I need to tell you what happened. I need to tell you what happened to Mephibosheth. It's back in 2 Samuel chapter 4. This is what happened. Remember I told you. Saul's son, Jonathan, had a name named Mephibosheth, a son named Mephibosheth, who was crippled as a child. He was five years old. Five years old. Five years old. Not five months old. Five years old. He could already walk and run. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul, his dad, and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and she fled. Why is she doing that? So he won't be killed. She knows. She's running with him. She picked him up and she fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him. And he became crippled. Five years old? And she dropped him in a way that paralyzed him from the waist down? This is Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, grandson of Saul. Can I give you something? He's been eating at the king table since he was born. Your boy Mephibosheth grew up at the table. He was served. He was pampered. He was spoiled. But in a trauma, in a crazy turn of events, he goes from at the table to dropped. See, here's what I know about most of us in this room. Here's what I know about all of us. We've all been dropped. Somebody dropped us. In some way or another. They may not have intended to. They may not have intentionally tried to do this. But we've all been dropped. Something has happened to us that has crippled us, that has taken us from the king's table to in hiding, where we can't move. And I just want to speak to you today, because I want you to know that God is making a special invitation for you. He is looking for you, and he's telling you, I have a table ready for you. Your table is ready. I'm looking for you. In your brokenness, in your pain, I'm looking for you. You just got to keep coming to the table. And so Mephibosheth comes to the table and says, he says, why would you show kindness to me? Why would you show kindness to a dead dog like me? And you know what David does? I love what David does. David don't say anything. Can we go back to that verse? I believe it was verse 7. David doesn't say a word. Don't be afraid. He doesn't speak to it. He doesn't say, oh yeah, you're right. He don't say, stop tripping, Mephibosheth. He don't say, I heard, you heard what I said. He didn't turn like to a black mother. You heard what I said, right? Sit at this table. I ain't going to tell you again. Sit down at this table. <laughs> All right, forget that. I better get back to our sermon. 
I intend to show you kindness because of a promise to your father. I will give you all the property. Verse 8 says, man, I can't do it. I, I, I don't feel like it. David's like, no, man, you're sitting at the table. Here's all I want to tell you today. I want to tell you to keep coming to the table. See, he grew up eating some choice food. He grew up at the king's table. He got dropped. He got displaced from his right from the throne. Because here's the deal. Even if David never came around, he couldn't have been the king. Even if David never took the throne, he was disqualified from being king because he was crippled. He couldn't serve as king. There was no pathway to the king's table except for the grace of David. And I want you to see this in the story because David represents Jesus. David says, I've got some favor for you because of a conversation I've had with the father. And because of this, you, even though you're not qualified to sit at the table, I'm inviting you to the table and you get to sit at the table every single day of your life. You just got to keep coming to the table. Here's what I know about this. All of us. And this is what I know about him. He had a choice every single day. David didn't bring up his issue. He didn't bring up his past. He just said, look, the invitation is here every time, anytime you want it. And I'm sure there are some days he came to the table and he was like, man, this reminds me of my dad. I remember when we used to eat this. I'm sure there was days where he struggled, maybe feeling like, what if I didn't get dropped? What would have happened to me? And every day he has to keep coming to the table. Every day he was hungry. Every day he had to eat. And every day he made a choice to come to the table. Here's what I want to tell you. Every day you got to eat. Here's what's happening. Some of us are eating at the wrong table. We're invited to the king's table. Because, but whatever's going on in our life... We're eating at the wrong table and subsequently we're eating with the wrong people and we're sitting in the wrong position. And here's what I really love about the story. Because remember, my man is crippled, right? My man, he can't stand up. He can't walk. And his, his issue, his disability was on full display. But here's what I love about it. Everybody has got to sit down at the table. You got to sit down at the table. So it doesn't matter if you can move your legs or not. Because we're all equal when we're sitting down. We're all equal when we're at the table. You don't notice anybody's feet at the table. You don't know if I can move my legs or not. And God has a way of restoring us and building us up at the table. 
and nobody can tell if we had an issue or not no one could tell if something happened to us or not when we sit at God's table we're all equal when we sit at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ we're all equal you are a son and a daughter of God you got a right to the table not because of you but because Jesus said you do and God is saying to you just keep coming to the table every day sit with me at the table and sometimes we're like yeah I don't know this looks a lot better over here I don't know I might want to kick it with my friends over here and God's like you keep choosing that but guess what your invitation's right here because when you get up from this table everybody's going to know you got dropped matter of fact you got, might be sitting at a table with other people who are in the same condition and they can't help you people who smoke weed are some of the nicest people in the world let's just be honest people, people who smoke cigarettes are very generous they're like you gotta smoke dude can I bum a smoke right and they're like yeah no problem I never throw any, see any smokers throwing shade on another smoker I always see smokers together I always see weed heads together I see crackheads together I see drunks and alcoholics together right because there's something about our dysfunction that builds community but the problem is we can't help each other in that community I can't help you I can help you stay the way you are but the only place you can get help is at the king's table the only place you can get up from where you are is at the king's table and so this is what we're going to do I want to give you an opportunity on behalf of heaven to tell you that your table is ready just come every day you might be sitting at the wrong table that might be why your life is messed up and God's just saying accept the invitation that I have for you and I want to pray today I want to pray for somebody who's saying God that's me I, I didn't even know I was dropped here's the one thing I didn't want to do today I didn't want to bring up all the issues I didn't want to have you relive it but I'm being honest with you we've all been dropped we've all got some mess inside of here whether you want to look at it or not but what I'm trying to tell you from a person who is dropped I've got a Holy Ghost wheelchair that brings me to the table every single day and you have no idea that I was dropped because I was dropped and now I'm standing I was broken and now I'm healed I was lost and now I'm found and I'm standing here not to protect the table but to set the table for you I'm here to make sure you have a place at the table so I want to pray I want to ask all your heads are bowed all your eyes are closed and we do this so that nobody you don't have to feel judged or no one's looking at you or looking at what you're doing but I'm going to pray and then what's going to happen is we're going to sing a line of that song again and then you're going to see two people go down in the baptismal pool they're going to go down in that pool and then we're going to we're going to go crazy up in here because these are people who have said I'm going to accept the invitation and I'm going to sit at the table with Jesus every day of my life and that's all baptism is it's saying I made a next step and I want everybody to know about it 
so while your eyes are bowed, your heads are closed. Uh, heads are closed. Please keep your head closed. I mean, your eyes are bowed. <laughs> heads are bowed, and your eyes are closed. I want you to know the insurance that nobody is looking at you in this moment. I want to give you the opportunity to give you that invitation. And it's very simple. You're just saying, God, I'm going to accept the invitation to sit at the table with you. We call it just get started. I'm just going to get started and ask you to lead me. Accepting Jesus as the leader in your life. Sit at the table. It's going to change your appetite. It's going to change what you like and what you used to like. But it's an invitation. And I want to invite those who already know in their heart they've made that decision. Would you raise your hand? Don't be afraid. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Man, there's hands going up all over the place. God bless you. You have no idea what's happening in this moment. Oh, so many people. Hands are up. I want to pray for you while your hand's up. Father, I pray for those who those hands are up. They just want to get started. They're just saying, God, I want you to be the leader. I want to sit at the table with you. And they're accepting that invitation. I pray right now that they will feel forgiven, that they will be, we acknowledge our mistakes. We acknowledge our sins. We know that we haven't done what is right. And so, Lord, we just confess it now. And we say thank you for the invitation. And, Lord, we will believe in faith. Give us the faith we need to believe after we leave today that we are walking with you and that we're sitting at the table. We love you. You can put your hands down in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those hands that went up. And I want you to sing this song with us.
All right, church, now's the